Welcome to this special edition of Daily Vet Life, where we're bringing you short interview synopses of presentations from the 2021 AAEP convention. These special editions are brought to you by Zoetis. I'm Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. In this episode, we're talking to Nicola Pesterla, DVM PhD, who is board certified in internal medicine and equine dentistry. He is a professor in the Department of Veterinary Medicine and Epidemiology at the University of California, Davis. At the 2021 AAEP convention, he presented on investigation of an EHV1 outbreak caused by a new H752 genotype. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Pusterla. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on this podcast, Kim. So could you tell me what were the key points that you discussed in this AAEP presentation? Well, there, there were different little key points that I thought were, were very interesting. But, but first of all, I, I think the, the important part of this outbreak is that with every single outbreak, as unfortunate an outbreak is, we can learn something. And, and this outbreak was very unique. If I, if I maybe take a step back, um, it, it was discovered by two very astute veterinarians that went to a with a lot of performance horses in order to perform routine dentals. No outbreak. All the horses were doing fine. And as part of their routine, before they sedated the horses, everybody should do, they took the rectal temperature of these horses and realized that probably 10 of these horses had elevated rectal temperature, despite the fact that they looked really bright and alert and they were eating. So you wouldn't have noticed that these horses were sick. And that, that's really what then triggered the whole testing and the investigation of these of this outbreak. So, so the key point I would say is the daily monitoring of what I call high-risk horses, performance horses, horses that leave the barn, the show barn, and go to shows and come back. That, that daily monitor specifically through rectal temperature is still a very powerful and useful tool. Anytime a horse has an elevated rectal temperature, you have to ask yourself, why? What is driving this? And in few instances, you'll realize that this may be driven by a infectious and contagious disease. So that was one of the key elements. The other key element is that through testing, and the testing, I don't want to go into the testing into details. There's different ways to test for EHV1, but where we found this to be a slightly different genotype is that the pattern, the molecular pattern, didn't fit what we used to see. And, you know, for the past 15 years, um, we've been in the assumption that EHV1 is divided in one of two genotypes. Either it's a non-neuropathic, it's defined as an N752, or it is a neuropathic, also defined as a D752. These letters define the amino acid at that very specific position of a specific gene. So I don't want to go too much in too much detail, but um, what, has, what has come out of that is that most diagnostic laboratory in the US used to test for EHV1, that discrimination, either they test for the presence of an N or a D752. What we found in this outbreak that we're dealing actually with a third genotype. It's an H, H stands for histidine which means that if a laboratory uses the test to differentiate only between an N and a D, they will not capture the H. So that's something else that we figured out. 
And then probably the last one, which is um, a little bit controversial, is what we call medical intervention. EHV1, as you know, the bulk of EHV1 is, is into causing a self-limiting upper airway infection. We don't have to worry about it. It's a disease of young stuff, it comes and goes. It's like kids going to daycare and coming back with a snotty neck. It's just occupational hazard, it will happen. Unfortunately, with EHV1, when it hits the right population, we see consequences, severe consequences, although rare, such as abortion, and that wouldn't apply to show horses and equine herpes virus one malencephalopathy. So the neurological form, which you know has a high fatality rate. So what's what's very important is that once we have established during an outbreak that it is EHV1, and not just EHV1, but we have seen the ill outcome in certain horses, there's a lot of emphasis that is put into preventing the neurological disease. And right now we are struggling a little bit with the combination of drugs, who should we treat, what drugs should we use, and what is the outcome. You know, to be honest, there is no scientific, there's little scientific data really support any of these medical interactions. But, but what we saw in this outbreak is that all horses with clinical disease. So these were horses with elevated rectal temperature and evidence of virus in the blood, which is called viremia, is a prerequisite for horses to then develop EHM. So you got to have the virus in the blood for the virus to transport into lymphocytes into the central nervous system. So what we saw is through medical intervention and combination of anti-hepatic drug, anti-inflammatory and or anticoagulant, we had a very positive outcome. So out of 31 horses, not a single one developed severe EHM or had to be euthanized. So all these horses had transient clinical signs, all these horses recovered and are back into performing at the same levels they were performing before. So what we're trying to do right now is to educate, educate the veterinarian that there is a third genotype and it is worth while testing for. We also want to educate owners into saying, if you have a performance horse, go to show, come back, keep on doing what you're doing, which is taking the rectal temperature twice a day on your horse. And if your horse develops an elevated rectal temperature, isolate, call your primary care provider and have figured out what's going on with that horse. Part of the world's leading animal health company with a 70-year legacy, Zoetis Equine is committed to providing horse care products and services that veterinarians and their teams can count on. With trusted vaccines such as Corey-Q and Fluvax Innovator, leading diagnostics like the Stable Lab stall side SAA blood test and the number one vet-trusted equine sedative, Dermosidan, and a portfolio of regenerative medicine devices, that includes ProStride APS, Zoetis is always by your side. Be sure to follow Zoetis Equine on Facebook and Instagram today. Okay, and for our veterinary audience that we're talking to, is there um, something specific that you would like to offer them to help them when they're talking to owners or showgrounds or something that might help the veterinarians prevent either horses traveling that are sick 
or horses that uh, become sick on the grounds? Is there any advice to veterinarians who are there? I think veterinarians are doing already everything they can do, which is a lot of hands-on. Assessing the health of horses is really critical, and we can do that through you know, physical examination, health certificate. Um, it's a little bit controversial into testing horses right now, but other than that, um, it's, you know, it, we, we need to have, so the, the owners, the trainers, the agent need to have the trust that veterinarians are not there to penalize them, that they're to work with them into keeping these horses safe. And then, you know, as, as we have a lot of experience with COVID-19, it is really to have the horses with clinical disease being separated and preventing the spread of this highly contagious pathogen. And we know we're talking about EHV1 right now, but that would apply to any other respiratory or enteric pathogen that are known to be highly contagious. As far as being able to test for this new H752 genotype, is that something that you're recommending that, that veterinarians make sure when they're looking at these that their labs are testing for all three types? I, I'm not quite, I cannot speak for all the other labs. You know, there, there is no unity when it comes to testing in the veterinary field. What I would say is use a laboratory that has the capability to detect all purpose virus one independent of the genotype. Um, and this is generally done by targeting a very conserved gene, the glycoprotein B gene, that does not differentiate between the genotype. Knowing which genotype it is, um, I, I used to think that this is really relevant. You know, when, when the studies came out in the mid 2000s, and we almost had like a, I wouldn't say a clear cut, but we had, you know, a very strong association of horses developing neurological disease associated with the neuropathic genotype, and then horses uh, experiencing either abortion or a non-neurological outbreak of EHV1 being commonly associated with a non-neuropathogenic genotype, it kind of made sense to test for both of them to looking at the risk. But right now, if I look, if you look at the outbreak, um, let's say Ogden outbreak, that was a neuropathic, that was 2011. If we look at the 2021 outbreak in Spain, Valencia, that was a non-neuropathic. If you look at all the outbreaks in six counties here in California, you know, started in, in um, February of this year, and this is all a non-neuropathic genotype that is circulating. And so I would say, independent of the genotype, you got to look at all these three genotypes of, of having the potential to cause EHM. So really, what is the relevance of determining the genotype? Well, you know, if you're trying to associate different outbreak and say, hey, are they maybe linked? Are we having the same genotype? Then it kind of makes sense. But from a purely Diagnostic standpoint, uh, prevention, medical intervention, isolation, quarantine, and so on, I don't think it really matters. So again, I would advise veterinarians to use a laboratory that can capture all EHV1 strain independent of the genotype. Okay, so I, I want to reiterate what you just said. So basically, you're saying it's important to know the genotypes so that you can track 
if things are spreading. But it doesn't matter which genotype it is. Number one, it can cause neurologic, depending on the horse. And number two, you're going to pretty much treat, no matter the genotype, you're going to treat these horses the same way. Well, I, I want to put a word of caution between treating. you got to look at your population. You can't just treat every single horse with EHU1 because I said earlier on, the bulk of the EHU1 infection is into running immunitis. This is a self-limiting disease of young animal. There's no need to intervene medically. It comes and goes. Now, where it becomes critical is in these high-risk horses. I'm looking at racing show horses, horses that travel, congregate. If you're dealing with an outbreak and you know that the outbreak has already been associated with the development of neurological disease, that is the time to, in the sick animal only, the one that also have evidence of virus in the blood, to be proactive and preventing the development of neurological disease. Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Pasterla, for joining us today. Is there anything else that you would like to add about this, specifically the investigation of the outbreak that was caused by the new genotype? Well, we're actually looking retrospectively and prospectively at the frequency of this new genotype. I'll hope by the end of this year, we'll have a little bit more information to share. Well, thank you again very much for joining us today, Dr. Pasterla, and a big thanks to Zoetis for sponsoring these podcasts. And you can make sure and listen to all 12 of these special editions of the Daily Vet Life podcast on your favorite podcast network, or you can visit equimanagement.com to listen to any of the Daily Vet Life summaries from the 2021 AAEP convention.